All right. Good morning, class. Uh, welcome to episode nine of the Art Eater podcast. Um, I don't have any corny made up uh, sponsors for today. I uh, just want to say I uh, hope everyone is doing okay out there. Um, it's about it's been about a month since our last podcast, and it has been a, a very crazy month. Um, you know, we're in the midst of the uh, COVID-19 outbreak worldwide. Um, thankfully, um, I'm I'm doing okay. I'm able to stay safe. Um, uh, Professor Andy is not here today, but he's he's doing okay too. Um, he's just out because uh, of uh, technical issues. And uh, Sean, you you're doing all right? Yep, I'm here, uh, doing doing fine as well. Uh, definitely has been quite a month. Uh, I've been uh, hearing a lot of like, man, yesterday was a hell of a week. So, uh, but overall, doing doing well as well in uh, California over here. Yeah, uh, yeah, it is uh, pretty crazy out there. Um, you know, I, I just hope everyone listening is uh, able to stay safe and uh, just, you know, follow all the recommended procedures, wash your hands. Uh, I mean, that's the most important thing. You know, uh, you know, wash your hands, stay clean, um, stay safe, take care of each other. And just uh, uh, yeah. wanted to highlight, uh, uh, since we, we do talk a lot about gaming, that the World Health Organization has uh, out, um, outlined a, a new initiative called uh, Play Apart Together, which highlights the... Uh, the benefits of uh, staying in, uh, sh- you know, sheltering in place and playing playing as many uh, video games as you can uh, oh, really? through a, through a large variety. I think uh, over uh, I think eighteen or twenty game companies joined in with the uh, play apart together initiative from them. So uh, they they really uh, they really backpedaled from the World Health Organization saying, man, games can be addictive. To be like, no no no, stay in and play video games. I'll play all the video games. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the right thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I I remember seeing a TED talk years ago. It was about how like, oh yeah, play games, save the world. And I was like, oh, that's a bit of a stretch there, but um, no, that's absolutely true right now. You know, um, if if you're lucky enough to be able to shelter at home, um, yeah, just cozy up with a good game and and just you know play some games, which is what we're here to talk about today. Uh, right, so today we're, we're going to talk a bit about uh, the Final Fantasy VII demo, which I'm sure many of you have uh, already played. Um, and then I think if we have time, we'll, we'll just talk about, you know, what else we've been playing in a, during this, uh, this crisis over this last month. Um, so first, let's, let's get into the demo. Um, I believe Final Fantasy VII Remake is set to be released on... Uh, April 10th, and I, I think they might be releasing it even earlier, um, uh, just due to the crisis, rather than delaying it or, or trying to go for a simultaneous worldwide release. Um, I, I think they're just letting the game trickle out uh, as it makes sense in in different regions. What, I, I was, it, um, was it was it originally delayed to April, or what was the original uh, timeline? Oh man, um, I, I don't remember the 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 release date has shifted so many times, but um, I believe the final release date officially was April 10th, and then I saw an update online. They said it might come out earlier rather than later in uh, certain regions. It, it might just ship earlier to certain places. Yeah. So. Um, cool. Yeah. So if if you if you pre-ordered the game, um, uh, hopefully <laughs> hopefully the mail system is still working where you are, and it'll get to you. Um, uh, I don't think you'll be able to go out and buy it from stores, but uh, you know you can also download it. Um, yeah, so the demo. So that demo, um, 
yeah what what were your impressions sean what what would you think um so i i'll say the thing that i honestly noticed the most and i was trying to contend with whether or not <clears throat> i had a very different memory it seems like uh pretty much relatively shot for shot for the actual opening like it's 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 more of a remake like the resident evil one where like they are changing up a lot of things like obviously the <clears throat> the gameplay mechanics around fighting was was pretty different like obviously it's a more of a real-time system um mm -hmm. and there seems to be the so the, i guess the, the main things that i noticed was the treatment of color was a little bit different and because like there wasn't as many top-down angles uh being up closer to the characters uh felt different and also the the voices seemed omnipresent to me because they don't obviously have voices, uh, but I noticed it. And I'll uh, I'll mention before we dive into any details, the most delightful thing I felt about this demo is um, when you get out of certain battles, uh, Barrett will actually go like like he'll just hum it. He won't actually like, it's not actually in the music, but he does it. And I was like, wow, that's really oh, yeah. self-aware. <laughs> Oh man, that's subtle. I didn't, I didn't notice that actually, or I, I, that flew over my head. Yeah. Uh, he does it. He does it only when you get into like the kind of minor uh, battles with like the little floating robots. I forget what they're called. Um, yeah. The ones yeah, that you're yeah. kind of between running. It seems yeah. like it was more vertical too, but that that could have just been because there's no longer a top-down angle. Because um, there definitely were ladders in the original opening and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, th those are all interesting observations. Um, I, for for me, just the first impression was, man, it's it's a really gorgeous game, uh, and oh my goodness, like it, it is uh, just the most polished and expensive looking game I've ever seen. Like, I it it. It looks like it actually took you know that whole decade to to make. I I know they like restarted it several times, but um, just the amount of uh, craft and and just I don't know like endless hours that went into every nook and cranny of the game uh, was was pretty mind blowing for me. I um, it, it must have been. It, this is might be the most um, clear example of how far game technology has gone, because. Uh, how long has it been? So Final Fantasy VII was 97. It's 2020. So uh, that's quite a while of game technology. And yeah, you can, you're can you right. Like everything about it is... It's not like Final Fantasy VII ever looked bad. Um, but the, yeah. <laughs> just like even the, the shot, like the, you know, the original uh, Aerith shot that you see when it comes in, everything oh, about yeah. that looks insane. Just like the, the level yeah. of detail. Um, yeah. So yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah, I feel like uh, this game is the best example of, uh, you know, back in the day, you play a game, you watch a cutscene, and, like, you know, kids are always thinking, like, someday the whole game will look like this. And um, I think this game finally really, truly nailed that. Um, there have been a lot of really visually impressive games, but uh, it, it's not just that this game is flashy. It's, like, I, I feel like you just can't make it look bad um like every angle of it is pretty polished like every bolt and every structure like everything's just like thoughtfully placed you know like um uh, one of the things i did while playing we, we were talking about the lighting um i just kind of ran around and saw like how many different lighting situations i could put cloud in and like 
I I was just kind of amazed at like just how uh, just how good it looked all the time. Like a, a lot of games are kind of optimized for like certain shots, uh, you know, certain situations, and it's like. Man, this game, like whether it's, you know, some of the shots are kind of boring looking, like when 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 you're in the lobby, it it is lit like a lobby, it's kind of like halogen lighting and stuff. But then you you run outside and seamlessly it transitions to like, you know, this this dark urban environment, right? Or 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 you know, stuff's burning and and the fire feels naturalistic and um I felt like just, um yeah. Th- this this game all they because of the lighting, they did a much better job of communicating that it happens at night. Uh, cause I did, I did go back and look at and play the original one, uh, through an emulator uh, and I was like, oh yeah. And in the original one, like you, you intuitively know it's happening at night, but the lighting yeah. makes it feel much brighter. Whereas this one, they very much communicated with the lighting that it's happening at night. And I, I, I don't know if you noticed this as well, but, um, it seems like they really colored the whole scenes based on what was happening. Like originally there's a lot of like blue and teal and then, um, if you're like when it's, when things are on fire, the the orange and red really take over the feel. Like there was a lot of like the original had a lot more uh, brown and distinct like um, highlights of yellow uh, overall, but th- because they didn't have a very complicated lighting engine. But this one yeah. seemed to really take cues from the situation. And to your to your point, the area in terms of the overall breadth of color that was visible in the shot. Really impressed by how much it how different it is, but how much it still feels like uh, the original game. Like, uh, the, the original is quite stylized, right? Like, the, the backgrounds are pre-rendered. Um, lighting back then in CG was just not nearly as complex, right? You, you didn't have, like, complex ray shading, and, like, you couldn't calculate, like, bounce lighting and stuff. Like, now you could do all so much of this stuff in, 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 in real time, basically. And it's... Uh, did, the models even have, did the models even have lighting in the original one? Like, I know they... They lit the scenes and stuff like that, but that would have been, again, your, to your point, pre-rendered. Was there even actually a lighting engine, or did they rely... Uh, that's a good question. Because um... I, I remember the... In my in my memory, the polygons of the original are very, like, primary-ish colors. Like, they felt very um, stylized from an anime perspective, which I think made them mm-hmm. age pretty well. But even so, they still felt... Um, this is going to sound like an insult, but it's not. They kind of felt like Scooby-Doo to me, where, like, the things that would animate would kind of lift off of the backgrounds. Like, you could kind of tell something was going to be interactive because... Oh, yeah, yeah. Because it had, like, <laughs> it had a more simple colors, and it, it was actually d- disconnected from the backgrounds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good question. I'm, I'm not sure if the original had, like, much real-time lighting. Um, I don't know. I... I I always felt like the characters were pretty well placed in the original, though. But I, I think that's because a really good art direction and like color direction. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I don't think that they they felt out of place or anything. It was just yeah. um, to your point, like they just weren't as well integrated uh, in terms of the lighting in the environment. Like they still felt like they were in the environment because the the cameras were really thoughtful and they did a lot of stuff. Like I know when you were running in the initial area, you would go underneath stuff. So it wasn't like completely like they made a, a static background and then threw them on top. Oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was absolutely. layering and stuff like that. Oh yeah, Go, going back to the PS1 Square games, they're still like really delightful. Like they, there's there's more going on than um, I I remember in a lot of them. You know, uh, they so, they still feel pretty rich. I also uh, w- w- in going back to it, remember that uh, 
obviously the they had the two style of character, the the kind of more simplified ones that are the ones who were running around, and then mm-hmm. it did get more detailed in the the battle system. Uh, oh yeah, once you were in there, and yep. I was going to say like the the way Cloud looks in the game is kind of how I imagined the battle system version. Like he doesn't have the the Popeye arms, but you can tell <laughs> you can tell that that was never the intent because even in the original in the battle system, his arms are not quite as exaggerated, and they look a lot yeah. closer to what he looks like in this game. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the original, yeah, it's coming from um, the the stubby 16-bit era sprites. Uh, I, I think that was the kind of the stylization they were going for with the uh, the map sprites for Final Fantasy VII. They did such a good job extrapolating the characters into this photo real but still stylized, uh, you know, uh, execution that they 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 have in this game. Like, I. I, I feel like that's to be commended. Like, I, I feel like they didn't... A lot of times when you remake something, um, it's tempting to just change stuff just because you can. You know, uh, whereas these guys uh, making this game, they they just really fleshed out what was already there. You know, like like, like you, you said, like they, they kind of fleshed it out into what maybe your imagination used to fill in. Well, and there's definitely a lot of cases where they were uh, intent, like, to your point, they were intentionally close to what the original game did, but um, they they also, like, for instance, they didn't really change any of the the dialogue much, but I noticed just because of the way that they focused on it that, uh, like, characters, uh, you know, like Jesse felt more fleshed out because you felt like you were being you were interacting with them more directly, even though it wasn't like they added, they didn't add that character or anything, She, she was there. Uh, all the characters like looked like that, but they they felt like side characters because of the way that you focus on Barrett and Cloud. But I think it felt um, it, it felt uh, they felt more grounded. And I noticed that they did stuff like uh, I noticed that I felt the scale of the reactor more with this. Like uh, they had the exact same shot where you go across the balcony into like the giant doorway that's got like the caution marks on it. Yeah. But, the way that it happens in the remake, uh, the way that it pans the camera up, it's like the same dolly, but the way that they do it in the remake really makes you feel like how big the reactor is, but it's still roughly the same shot. Um, so I don't know how to describe that other one. Other than, to your point, they, they didn't really change anything that was there, but the way that they did it um, kind of really doubled down on what I think the original game was intending. Um, yeah. Yeah, like like uh, speaking of Jesse, um, I, I went back. I, I watched some gameplay of the original. Like, uh, she does actually kick the the guard at, at, right at the opening of the game, um, but in in the remake, man, like she like launches herself into that guy. Like that dude is out. You know, <laughs> <She> puts him <laughs> out. I I also had a couple times uh, in it where I in my mind i was like yeah that that totally happened didn't it like i actually couldn't remember that's how close it was like uh, there's a part near the end where like cloud falls and then he does like a cloud thing where he jesse's like oh no and he's like oh no i'm cloud and he just like jumps over things and i was like did that happen i feel like it happens i believe that it happens i don't even need to check (laughs) yeah like it it felt it felt like pretty fluid to the the situation like so i couldn't really remember but it you know if they I, i did notice like i said that some of the because the the voice acting is omnipresent, they also use a lot more audio cues, and uh, I don't know. It kind of it kind of just uh, worked for me. I was I just kind of felt like Barrett was always there, kind of you know ribbing Cloud the whole time. 
yeah. but that's the way I felt when I played the original. But this this one literally makes you feel that because uh, he's talking most of the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. How do you, how do you feel about the voice acting? Um, I wouldn't say, like I think it's it's really well done. I wouldn't say that it 100% matches what I would imagine Barrett to sound like, but it still sounds really good. Um, yeah. It's all. It's also. It's always tough because like people have in their mind what people sound like. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't. I don't know if, if if the voices match up exactly, but I suspect after, you know, once we get once I get my hands on the real game, that I'll get used to it pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. I um, Barrett ended up being a lot sillier than I remember. Uh, well, I mean, but it's also that I mean he was always Mr. T with like a Mega Man arm, right? Uh, but it's, <laughs> yeah. I, I guess like, but when you, when you see that fully voiced, like you're like, whoa, oh yeah, it's, that's pretty crazy. It's pretty over the top. Well, uh, there's, I, I mean, to be fair, he has like a, a gun arm to your point, a Mega Man arm. So, I mean, how serious could he be? I don't know the, uh, I don't remember if this is reflected in the original, but the fact that he has the sunglasses somehow makes him feel more Mr. T-like in tone than, than not. But like, there's, there's definitely a little bit of, um, he, he definitely looks way cooler is not the right word, but um, I feel like what he looks like is what you expect. He's like this gruff mercenary type, but then he's like kind of goofy and ribbing Cloud the whole time. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, I, I, I was fine with it, but it wasn't yeah. quite what I remembered. Uh, oh, quick note about the sunglasses. I, I, I initially didn't really like the sunglasses. Um, I thought... Uh, oh, you know, like it's such a dark game. Why would he need sunglasses, right? Uh, not that everything needs to be practical. Uh, but then Andy, Professor Andy, who's not here today, uh, he pointed out to me. He's like, well, you know, he's a gunner, like so he's always staring down the barrel, like, and there's all these muzzle flashes, and you see shells ejecting from his gun all the time. So like the glasses actually are practical. Yeah, I was like, huh. Oh, that's, that's a cool. detail I wouldn't have thought of. Yeah, that actually, uh, for once, there is a video game character that that does wear their glasses for a reason. <laughs> yeah. uh, for some reason, I remember him uh, having more of like a um, like an open shirt because he was so muscular. So the, I think they they went a little farther and gave him more of a uh, more of like a. Um, a vest that looked like it made more sense, like it, it had more function to it. Like it seemed, like it seemed to me like it had like a, a bunch of stuff on it. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like um, you know before they were cartoon characters, and and they still have that appeal. But uh, in a photo real game, you do need to make stuff uh, have a certain level of realism, and uh, the little details I think uh, do help. Like like uh, his arm doesn't just go straight into his flesh somehow, right? Like now he has, um, I don't know what you would call that, but uh, th there's a point where it attaches. You see um, there's some padding and some some straps to like hold it in. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, uh, definitely. It looks kind of like a tourniquet <clears throat> or something. I, I, I don't know what the proper term for that is. Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, it looks a lot more like, uh, like he has very clearly ripped sleeves in the, the FF7 original sprite. But in this case, he has ripped sleeves, but it looks more like it's a leather or something that got ripped. Like, so the, the ripping doesn't need to be as exaggerated, so it feels less Yeah, beautiful. yeah. I will say, um, I, I think one of the things that uh, is, is so, I don't know what... <laughs> Uh, what the word is is kind of a striking, kind of weird about Barrett is, um, I, I guess like uh, so he's he sounds like Mr. T, uh, you know, who's like a 
specifically an African-American man, right? Um, uh, but he also acts very Japanese. He's actually like a very archetypical uh, Japanese, like kind of uh, tough guy, but goofy kind of character, you know? Like, um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, 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 like Kuwabara from Yu Yu Hakusho or something, but, but more confident. <laughs> like he, he's kind of boastful, but he can back it up. So, so it's like a really weird mix going on. Cause, um, I, I think everyone else has like, uh, less baggage, right? Cause they don't have such a stylized voice that's so tied to a real world culture. Um, so I think that's, that's one of the things throwing me off about Barrett. Cause I'm like, well, it's like, no. You know, no, that, no one I've met really talks like that. But, but he's he's a cartoon character. He's not. That's yeah. a good point. Yeah, he you really have a lot more expectation because of what he's what he's based off of. Uh, yeah, I hadn't thought about it that way. Yeah. Uh, uh, in, in terms of speaking of of the detail, I guess we haven't seen any part of the game that really has Aerith in it. But I even noticed that the the scene that you see of her, uh, it, in terms of talking about the details, there is a lot of implied detail that. Uh, so in talking about Barrett, one thing that is not, as far as I recall, on his model at all, but from the Mr. T vibe, so he's like he's very clearly in the remake got an earring, and I, I, it just like in my mind I was like, oh yeah, totally, he Barrett just has the, the earring that makes total sense with the sunglasses, uh, except I don't yeah. think the original character ever ever had that or you know they spent time defining that thing. It just but it makes sense for the type of character we're talking about. Yeah, I think Cloud has earrings as well. Does he? Uh, in, in in the remake, yeah. I did not notice that. Yep. Cloud's also one of the ones where I didn't know, I didn't know what attitude I gave him, like as a from my imagination, because like there's a lot of, uh, like he's obviously supposed to be pretty chill about the situation, uh, but it was one of those things where I, I was trying to remember like whether or not I had given given him such a. Uh, a, a, a kind of chill, you know, give no shits attitude. Yeah, um, I, I think uh, they did. I think his voice actor did well. Like, uh, I mean, in, in the original game, Cloud is on the surface this like anti-hero, um, uh, but then you you realize like he, he's kind of faking it. He's he's actually a big mess. He, he's suffering from PTSD. Uh, you know, he's he's not over the loss of like uh, his his mentor and like uh, yeah he's he's been through a lot of traumatic stuff um, and I, I I think uh, I think the the voice actor kind of uh, uh, picks up on all that he he's yeah he's he's uh, he's like a cool confident dude but he's also like uh, kind of it's a front right he's kind of pushing mm-hmm. it on purpose well, that's a good point I hadn't I hadn't uh, deeply thought about it I think you're you're totally right. Yeah. Uh, oh, thanks. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I think um, I feel like the game seems to strike uh, the. Uh, for me, it strikes the right tone. I, I think everyone uh, pretty much sounds like the way I imagined. Um, yeah, oh yeah, I think we're we're, we're just uh, enjoying nitpicking it. But I, when I was playing it, nothing really like red flagged to me. Like I like t- to your point. Uh, I definitely had that moment where I was like man, this might be one of the first games I've played where I was like, yeah, this is exactly how I think it would have looked had they had this technology uh, yeah. to render it this way. Like, it, it feels it, it feels like a, a real remake of the, the game. It, the, nothing feels off. Yeah. 
just different. I, I like that um, the colors are still very expressionistic, you know, because the, the, original, the original game had, had a very stylized palette, like, like you were saying before, like uh, a, lot of, a lot of cool colors, a lot of greens and blues, and um, some scenes are just like almost pure purple. Um, the, there was a lot more uh, focus on the, um, what, what do you call it, the fluorescent lighting that was uh, kind of visible in the original uh, scene. So, like, they don't have that quite as much because uh, they, they made them into more realistic uh, backlit signs. So they don't feel quite as over the top um, fluorescent, but they're there. But yeah, to your point, the, the main thing I noticed is that the use of yellow lighting was pretty heavy in the original and they they don't rely on it quite as much in in the remake mm. but I, I definitely noticed that the the color was uh very dominant based on the scene uh, like like i said i mentioned uh, i took like uh, some notes when i was playing it and yeah. uh i noticed like i i would notice it, like when you're in the reactor it's yeah, it's got like a very kind of teal background to it uh when it, everything's blowing up and you're leaving uh, there's a lot of orange uh, they also use red, so whenever you're fighting and you're low on health, the screen kind of uh, bubbles red a little bit. Like, um, so they use a lot of uh, cues with the lighting that make it much more, uh, much more of a, a, a. To me, it felt like it set the tone a little bit more than it was just there to, you know, provide lighting. Yeah, um, I yeah, I'm super impressed with the game lighting. Uh, it's not only is it visually appealing, but it. Um, it telegraphs the where you need to go in the level really well too, you know, like um, like like the scene where uh, Jesse's leading you through the security system and the lasers are popping up and down. Uh, she runs off in the distance, and you know, it's it's usually uh, they they have these like spotlights kind of uh, leading the way, kind of showing you, okay, like here's a bright spot off in the distance, and you can still make out her silhouette running into it. Uh, it's it's very mm -hmm. thoughtfully done. Uh, and it, man, it just it just looks right. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't look like video game lighting. Like it, it's just really immersive. Um, uh, I was just gonna say, uh, just to back up what you're saying is, the the thing that people I think forget a lot about with the lighting that is super reactive is because because um, of especially the materials on Cloud, you really get a feel for the lighting. Like he really feels in the space because he's got a giant metal sword. He has a metal yeah. pauldron. So like the the flickering and kind of the bounced light off of like you could see the light reflecting on the metal is is insane actually. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 a really good point. Yeah, he's just got this big reflective flat metal thing on his back, and it, it's it's catching all the different lighting situations. Yeah. yeah. And I I, uh, I noticed I don't know if uh, you looked at the when they originally showed the demo versus when they released it, but. Um, <clears throat> If you do a little bit of side by siding, because um, I was trying to kind of go back and look at all the things when we were uh, planning to talk about this after I played it, because I was like, do I remember this looking like? Did this look different? And actually, I, I think one of the main things they worked on between when they uh, announced this and the, what was it, 2015, 2017, something like that, uh, and the new one is the lighting got um, softer is not the right word, but um, I feel like. Uh, I didn't quite remember this way, but when I went back and looked at it, Cloud especially, um, he looked a little bit more attractive, first of all, like a, a beautiful Japanese celebrity. But also I noticed, especially with uh, the lighting on his his arms and on the sword and everything, is that it got more uh, subtle. Like there was a lot more volumetric yeah. um, attention to like uh, his arms. 
as yeah. well as the way that the light reflected on it because he, he the um the shadows looked a little bit harder harder and uh, a little bit more um i guess like i'm trying to think of a word but uh they didn't like soften as they went they went down and the and the light would cast around uh objects and i think overall that it's clear that they really spent a lot of time like there's a lot more kind of shading to a darker element so he didn't feel as well yeah. lit yeah i i feel like they did they must have spent forever adjusting like tiny little things because uh, the overall effect is that whatever looks soft, like the things that should look soft, look soft. The things that do should look hard, look hard. Like and and uh, Cloud's physique is a, a testament to that. Like uh, um, he's actually really, really ripped. Um, yeah, yeah. Cl Cloud is ripped like an athlete in, in real life is ripped. Like he, you know, he's not like a game character where like every single muscle is like bulging and super defined. But but if you pay attention, it's like oh yeah, this. Dude has very low body fat. He, he looks like uh you know like a lightweight MMA fighter on the weigh-in day when they're when they're all like dehydrated and gaunt and like shredded looking. Um and, and <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> and under like you know, it's just like real life. It's like if you walk under a harsh light, he looks more ripped, you know. It's it, it, it's it's like going to the gym and standing under like a strong light and being like, Oh yeah, I look good. <laughs> yeah. And it, <laughs> And it's all it's all one model, you know. It's 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 the lighting that's changing. It's not the model. So um, yeah, they they just did such a good job adjusting it. They yeah. they actually, I think um, when when bodybuilders are doing stuff, they do a bunch of tricks like that, where like they uh, you do a bunch of push-ups to get your muscles up, and then like you do like uh, harder like side lighting so that your your muscles pick up a lot more uh, shadow to them. Uh, yeah, apparently there's a whole bunch of tricks. Yeah. Yeah. Cloud doesn't have to. Yeah. He just he just is that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. I'll I'll say one more thing about the lighting is um I I'm really happy that uh the game feels like <clears throat> the lighting is is happening like like the photons are going from the scene into your eyes. It doesn't feel like it's done in post. Do you, you know what I mean? Like uh, nowadays, a lot of a lot of movies, but even games now. This is how good game technology is. Like you, you can do a lot of post, you know, editing. So, um, so it's like you know, in movies they say like, oh, we'll fix it in post. Like you you can do that with games. After the game engine is done rendering everything, you can apply these passes where you're like, oh, okay, well let's uh, let's add a green tint, let's up the contrast or whatever, right? And it's yeah, um, yeah. It can superficially look cool, but you, some games do it too much. Well, I, I feel like a lot of games do it too much, and it looks like a like an Instagram filter. You know what I mean? It's like like it's compensating for not that great lighting from the source. Like it's overcompensating for that. Whereas like uh, yeah, uh, this game, you know, it feels like it's professionally lit. It has this sort of cinematic realism to it. I uh, <clears throat> I'm trying to remember the name. Uh... But one of the things that reminded me of is if you look up, there are such a thing in films as people like lighting specialists and the great oh, totally, ones yeah. you, you can see that you can find online uh, basically like versions of shots and movies that have been professionally lit. And to your point, it's a thing where it isn't because what you're talking about is something that we learned to do uh, uh, in doing film processing and animation, which is like 
if uh, if you're compositing multiple elements together, sometimes the way that you unify them is by adding like a color tint or adding yeah. additional film grain or uh, like adding elements that unify those together so that they flatten against the surface so that it's not as clear which things are edited on top of each other. But when things are properly uh, lit and they're taking uh, into effect like the 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 kind of the tone of the scene, the art direction, what they're trying to do, then uh, it can make a massive difference in uh, the way that it's done. But to, to your point, like uh, it's really obvious when it hasn't really been lit in a, a way that is thoughtful. It's just a, it's just trying to add uh, like the whole, you know, the whole joke about the movie posters, like they have that whole thing where they're all blue and orange and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's more like it's more like they did something because they thought it was trendy, or someone was like, hey. Blue and orange things are successful. Let's let's <laughs> let's light and tint all of our marketing materials and and uh, movies that way from now on. And uh, I don't know. I feel like uh, you have filmmakers like um, uh, why am I blanking? Uh, the, the filmmaker on like uh, Shaun of the Dead and uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Uh, Edgar Wright. Um, yeah, yeah. You have filmmakers like Edgar Wright um, uh, that uh, use both like stylization and uh, and color in really thoughtful ways. Um, so, but then you have like the big blockbuster movies that just to your point, they just kind of they just kind of post uh, very like cool palettes that uh, they kind of unify the elements on screen, but they don't really add much to the scene. Yeah, my my go to example for that is um, the, the very end of the Harry Potter movies. You remember when like they're all grown up and they. They look kind of weird because they still look like kids with uh, mustaches, and um, you know they're saying uh, they're they're seeing the the next generation off to Hogwarts, and it's you know it's like a beautiful emotional scene, but like everything's gray and green, and it's like why? <laughs> like this is supposed to be like a warm, nice scene. I I don't know. Maybe maybe my UK friends can chime in. Maybe they're like, oh, that's just what it looks like every day. But I I don't I don't think that's quite it. Um, I'm. I'm pretty sure the UK can have, you know, some nice, uh, warm, uh, sunny days once in a while. Maybe not sunny, but it's that it, it just looked so like, uh, like foggy and smoky, and it it just was lit, you know, like a battle scene or something. Like, I don't know. I think you can also look at like Wes Anderson films. Um, that's I don't know. That's how I imagine uh, uh, English or uh, the UK to to feel all the time, just like a lot of really thoughtful pastel colors, um, a lot of very nice texture. Uh, like it's always like kind of warmly lit with a little bit of kind of cool balance between it. Yeah. But yeah. but it's it, to your point, if you compare it to like, a, I don't know, I don't want to throw Marvel out of the bus, but a lot of the Marvel movies are kind of lit. Um, <clears throat> very samey. Very samey, yeah. Until you get yeah. to like Thor Ragnarok. Um, yes, yes, that's <laughs> exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't I don't know if you can lay lay that all at the 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 feet of uh, Taika Waititi, but uh, I feel like you can also see it in Flight of the Concords. He uses like a ton of really weird lighting, um, also like in um, the Wilder People movie. Yeah. So I don't know. I feel like it's probably part of his art direction, but just like uh, uh, the whole like when people were like, oh, it was very much like an homage to like the Jack Kirby style, and I was like, yeah. all all comics are an homage to the Jack Kirby style if you color them properly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, yeah, I do think part part of it is just that's his preference, and then uh, you know to to what we were talking about, like th this is a dude used to making low budget films, so like he he couldn't hire like you know complex lighters or like really super complex post production in the past, so he, he just had to make everything look nice with what he had. Um, uh, so 
and then on top of that, like, uh, he actually tried to make it look like the comics consciously. Like, um, I, 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 I love that he did this. He, he even went on Twitter and like, you know, tweeted about how, like, look, like we, we followed Walt Simonson's Thor comics. Like, you know, he, he gave us all the material we needed to like make this movie look great. Um, I thought it was cool that he's, he's, that dude's actually a comic book fan. Like he actually read the comics and knows the artists and, and that passion shows in that movie. Uh, yeah, I, I, I love that movie actually. I genuinely really like that movie. Uh, it's, it's definitely, definitely one of my favorites. Uh, yeah. Going back to uh, Final Fantasy. So I guess what we're, what, what you're kind of talking about is that it doesn't feel like any of that stuff has been done artificially. Like the lighting feels, uh, it feels present like it, it feels it makes a lot of sense it doesn't feel like it was done as an afterthought at all yeah like um you know the 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 green uh from the reactor it feels like a ghastly pallor like because of the the gas that they're releasing into the atmosphere it it doesn't feel like someone uh just put like a, a green piece of cellophane over the the camera or you know in post just like ramped up the green like it 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 feels like it's actually there in the scene yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. The I also noticed, I just put one more thing about the lighting that wasn't in the game, but I noticed it is, you know, the opening shot, again, I mentioned this a few times with Aerith, I just, I was really stunned by that, that very, that, the initial opening, where it has her face, and you know, like, the kind of the green light particles that are coming up against her face, and, like, they're, they're lighting against, like, the, the necklace she has with metal yeah. on it, like, leather and stuff, like, if you want to look at, uh, how far the technology has come. All you have to do is like pay attention to how they they did that with Aerith and then what she looks like there in terms of uh, how like she still feels like she has stylized like eyes and you can see the light reflecting in her pupils and stuff. It's insane. Yeah, There's a lot of lot of little details that they didn't have to do uh, at all. <laughs> yeah, the way they stylized the people, I'm 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 really glad they went that route too. Like. Um... Uh, you know, in recent years, a lot of companies, uh, even, even Capcom, they've opted for just scanning uh, actors or, or rather models. Sometimes they just find like, you know, some really handsome model and then have someone else do the motion capture and then someone else do the voice. And it, it you know, it works to varying degrees. But um, I feel like you can't beat just creating a new human being, <laughs> you know, with with artists like uh because they they don't have as much baggage. It's just like that's this person. There's no one else on earth that looks like this, you know. And, and yeah, well, I'm, that's a to me that's a unique aspect of games that uh, I mean I don't mind when <clears throat> when they put actors in games, but there there's part of me like to your point where it's like it's always difficult to completely divorce someone if you know who they are. Like your yeah. your minds can see through it. Like there's some there's there's some degree of uh, fakery is not the right word, but like. With a movie, you know it's an actor. There's no way you can't know it's an actor intuitively. Uh, but then, you like, in a video game, you have the ability to have a completely unique human or a completely unique character. There's no reason to rely on an actor. Yeah. I think it's also um, uh, not quite the Uncanny Valley, but more like... Um, remember that part of Understanding Comics where he's talking about, like, iconic versus realistic uh, faces? And, yeah, you, yeah. you know, the more iconic it gets, the more broadly relatable it is. Right. Like, um, I, I think that still applies to photo real games. Like, uh, I there's still a sense of stylization to uh, the Final Fantasy seven remake. So it's photo real, but they they still feel like cartoon characters um, in, in a good way. You know, and I, I think it's sort of similar to 
uh, like classical paintings, right? Like you look at a Renaissance painting and like you don't really know anyone that looks like that. Like that's just how Da Vinci likes to paint people. You know, that that's just how Michelangelo likes to sculpt people. Like you, you feel uh, their style in there. And um, well, yeah. I, I think I feel like I noticed this is even though they are stylized realistic, like they do things like, for instance, their eyes are still huge. Like oh, no yeah. one has no one has eyes that big, but yeah. but it works really well because it makes them it makes them really um, stand out well and like uh, even to a degree like their noses like I don't know whenever you see them especially like um, like straight on in terms of a shot like the nose to me still kind of looks like how an anime nose might actually look in real life um, yeah. like it's got like a very flat defined ridge down the middle and then it tapers off to the sides it doesn't have quite as much like detail on the nostrils and stuff like that like yeah. so. It's it's it is semi-realistic looking, but to your point, it it um it balances out the shapes in a way that doesn't make you focus too much on all the detail, even though it's there. Yeah, yeah. I just I, I just love stylization. You know, I, I just love that uh, if uh, the 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 voice of the artist can shine through the work, um, that, that's just more interesting. Well, I I also feel like uh, to your point, like if we were gonna make it look real, we could just film things like. And the, the problem where like things like the Uncanny Valley come from is that when something is too close to reality but isn't quite right, like your your mind, like the human mind can pick up patterns quite well. And stylization is an intentional pattern, so it feels good. Whereas yeah. like, if you're just trying to replicate reality, you're not gonna quite be able to do it because you can't. But it's but you can get close. And that's where you're like, even if you're not an artist, you're still gonna pick up on it. You're gonna like, man, this thing doesn't feel right. So it's 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 just better for for you to go an intentional direction and do things yeah. in, a, in a way that uh, you intended rather than just trying to. It's it's the same reason why trying to replicate something uh, for the sake of replication rather than creating something original or creating something based on an idea you have is always going to be better. Because uh, yeah. like the the under like the underlying material is there and I, and because of pattern recognition people can just pick up on it. Ooh, that's a good point. I, maybe. You know, like the stylized faces do work with the level of detail. Like, as amazing and beautiful as the game looks, it, it, I mean, it, it's not photo real, right? Like, no, no game, no CG movie pre-rendered to that, for that matter, is like quite photo real. Um, but y you don't question it because everything's stylized. It's um, okay. I, I have a good example. You, you remember the original Max Payne? Like uh, the low poly <laughs> characters, and then all of a sudden you had literally a photo real face. They what? they used photographs. <laughs> as soon as you said Max Payne, like I it popped in my head just literally him looking at me and me being like, wow, it looks like a photo real picture mapped onto a 3D model. <laughs> yeah, it's the disparity there. Right? It's, it's that one part like made everything else look much faker, and then it also made the face look weirdly fake too. Like it, you know, you got to balance stuff. They, they, it's 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 like cooking, you gotta balance the ingredients. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. This game uh, for it, it's so detailed. I, I guess that's what just blows me away about it is there's just so much going on, but like uh, I feel like it's really balanced. Like nothing uh, draws undue attention to itself. Like e even the effects, like uh, it's very flashy, but they're very clear. Like, uh, the, the effects are never overwhelming. Make the attacks even more easy to read. Uh, I'm, I'm realizing, in, now that I just looked up the Max Payne stuff, um, is that, and I remember back when we were doing a lot of this work with texture, is that 
uh, it's really easy like for it like if if you would like cheat and use a, a photograph of of texture like it, it mm. came along with its its own kind of like lighting that wasn't natural to what you were doing so yeah in in older games like that where they didn't pay as much attention to the to the material and they were just using like the texture to light it uh, like yeah. Max Payne like I was just looking at this like not only does his face look mapped onto the model but like his uh, his leather jacket doesn't look like it's in the scene because like it doesn't look like it's reacting to any of the light around him. It doesn't look like um, it, it takes up space or has like it looks leather, but it just looks like a reflective thing. Like the it's un, like it, you can you can tell that it wasn't lit against uh, that leather does not exist in that space because the lighting doesn't make sense, and so it just yeah. looks like someone put a leather texture, like just a, a picture. I'm sorry, not a leather texture, a picture a picture of leather onto a thing <laughs> yeah so, so it's kind of like um uh, and it's not quite the same thing but i always joke how uh, there's like a difference between uh like a pdf document that you can type in versus like someone taking a picture of a pdf and then putting it in the pdf like yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. when I, I used to have uh, customers send me their logo but it was just like a picture of their logo in a word document and i was like no this is not the same thing <laughs> That's true. Yeah, now, nowadays I think people are less likely to use scanners because everyone's got a phone with a camera. So yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But you're definitely right. Everything fits together in in uh, the new remake. So like nothing stands out like that, and everything feels uh, everything feels like it's reacting to the environment. Um, and obviously, uh, the the technology of building not just texture into 3D, but materials also works much better. But it's still uh, there's a lot of attention to how the lighting is done. Like they didn't just like throw some lights into the scene and had a you know have a nice day. They spent a lot of time with it. Yeah, yeah. Definitely a prestige kind of game. I mean, like you you need a huge and very experienced team to pull something like this off. Yeah. So I was gonna. I don't know if you want to switch to. I want to talk a little bit about the the audio, but I also wanted to mention some of the camera angles. I don't know if that's more related. Oh yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, let's talk about it. I, I did notice, like to your point, like that you kind of imagine a lot of these things happening, but um, there is a lot of uh, focus on uh, like kind of cinematic camera angles and stuff like that. And I, when I saw when I saw videos of it, I wasn't sure how I was going to feel because, in general, uh, when the game takes over the camera and forces you to do stuff, it makes you feel less connected to it. Yeah. But I actually thought it was done pretty well. Like. Um, the way they use the camera in uh, the boss battle with the scorpion thing, I forget the name of the actual enemy, uh, but the, the boss you fight once you put yeah, the bomb yeah. down. Uh, I noticed that that uh, the camera angles mapped to the phases of the boss battle that you encounter in the original game, but they used it by like basically having the, the boss knock the characters away uh, because it was doing something defensive. And then it panned the camera back to where they were to show you that you were farther away. And I was like, oh, okay, that's pretty cool. Like, it felt cool. And uh, it didn't make me feel like it took control away from me. It felt like it was descriptive in terms of uh, what was happening. Yeah. Um, to, to your point, I, I, here's how good the camera was. I, I didn't think about it. <laughs> I just played the game. I never, I didn't question uh, what was going on. Um, and I never got lost. I, I, I have a terrible sense of direction in, in real life, which unfortunately uh, carries over into games. I often get lost in 3D <laughs> games. Uh, I did not get lost in uh, this this one. Uh, or, they, or Dark Souls. They, or uh, they actually do something really subtle that I like a lot in this game. Uh, so if you look really closely at the UI elements, they are not flat. Um, 
No, they're they, not. They, they tilt in ever so slightly, and they have a little bit of drop shadows in them. And even though we're talking about the camera, part of that is because what they do is the... Uh, I noticed this. The camera has a little bit of a rubber band to it, but it centers um, like in like in that direction toward the bottom half of the character that you're controlling. So it gives mm-hmm. you kind of a fisheye effect without having a fisheye lens. And it also makes it so that... <clears throat> your sense of where the character is in 3D space, it's, it's always, it's a little bit lower than the center of gravity for the character and the UI points down to it. Uh, so it actually makes it easier for you to keep track of the 3D space that you're in. And Dude. especially because it's such a large area, um, yeah. You just blew my mind. I did not notice that the, the interface was like subtly 3D. I, I totally didn't notice that, I, I you know, I, I, I spent at least like two hours playing this. Yeah, it's totally tilted inward. Yeah, it draws your eye. It kind of points towards the center, points towards the character that that you're commanding. Ah. So yeah, something else they did that I really liked um, way, way back when I was working on more physical interfaces. um, One thing that uh, you learn very quickly is that one of the things that your peripheral vision is good at picking up um, is color change. Um, mm. Which is actually why, um, like, car interfaces and other types of control interfaces have slowly moved away from singular colors. It's not just because it became digital. Um, it's because your periphery is good at picking up color. And uh, one of the things they do is, so they keep the kind of classic blue um, that the, the Final Fantasy VII interface has. But then, uh, at first, I thought, like, wow, why did they, they keep with such a cool palette? But they do it for highlights, so... Basically, when your action bar is filling, they use a yellow. So on the right side of the screen, your eye picks that up. And then the menu for when you're, like, selecting potions or phoenix downs, whatever, it stays blue and it has, like, a little bit of highlight to it. But when you have a limit break, it uses a rainbow kind of like uh, kind of like a rainbow animation to the limit break. And so it, it catches your eye and reminds you that you have a limit break. Um, so uh, I actually I, I would not be surprised if the interface designer works on vehicles. Um, wow, because the the a lot of the way that it's tilted in and the way that it draws your attention and they're both on the right and left side of the screen. Um, the demo I played had like the controls on like overlaid on the screen all the time in the upper left, but I think that was just for the demo. I don't think that's going to be in the original game. So yeah. I noticed that by and um, there's also a thing called uh, Fitz Law uh, in in UI where uh, people tend to it's it's kind of the the way that you map. Um, the speed at which you move an interface element uh, to a target, and it happens visually as well. So uh, you'll often hear designers talk about that, like Fitz Law really likes corners, because basically what happens is um, when you're trying to find something on a screen, like actually this is explained why the Windows uh, Start button is always in the lower left corner, is that um, your screen is actually like an infinite canvas, right? But your, your mind uses things like corners and angles, in order to stop itself from moving. So corners are really easy to look at because like they have a, they dead end both the, the left angle and the bottom angle. Uh, and it, it works, it, so that's why most interfaces that need to scale use corners. It's not just that corners scale infinitely, but it's just that you're, it's much easier for you to, if I'm, if I'm say looking at a screen and I'm trying to search for an element that I need or information that I need, uh, in the middle of the screen, I have to go find it, and then I have to move my eye, and then I have to slow my eye down, and I have to look at it, which actually takes more effort than just bam, look at this, look at the corner. 
And so that's why that's why vehicle interfaces do it is your periphery is going to catch the color first and then you'll slam down into the corner with your eye and it's much faster than trying to locate an element. And again, it translates to moving a mouse or whatever, but it's the, it's the same kind of idea. It's the mentally speeding up and slowing down to see an element. And I think uh, whoever the interface designer understood that tilting them in slightly, centering your, your uh, attention onto the bottom center of the screen and then using color uh, very, very sporadically to draw your attention to the the right and left side, right and left corners of the screen. Uh, really, really intentional UI design. At first, I was like, "Wow, this is much more minimal." I don't know if I I'm, I'm okay with my not having my beautiful blue menus, but uh, the more I played it, the more I was like, "Okay, this is designed to keep you focused on the action, mm. but without taking away information from you." And uh, anyway, I just uh, I may have been overanalyzing it, but uh, oh, the no. more the more I played it, the more great. I was like, wow, this uh, this was really thoughtful. Uh, I just uh, note for our listeners, if it wasn't uh, immediately obvious, uh, Sean is an absolutely world-class uh, UI designer. He, he's got a ton of experience uh, in creating UI for so many different uh, industries and scenarios. And, and yeah, he's, he's amazing at it. Yeah. Uh, thank, thank, so you. Th thank you for that insight, man. Yeah, no problem. Um, yeah. I, Wow, it's it's a 3D interface. I didn't even notice that. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it it was uh, it just works. I don't know that. Yeah, I think UI is one of those things where um, like like the camera, right? Like if if it works, then the uh, average person's probably not even gonna notice. <laughs> uh, that is absolutely true of of interface. Uh, if it's if it's working well, you won't notice it at all. Mm. But I, this is kind of true of design. Like most really, really good design, it, it actually seems obvious to you once it's it's pointed out, and that's usually a mark of good design. Is like when someone's yeah. like, "Well, well, obviously, blah blah blah," and you're like, "Well, that just means that." I'm trying to remember the exact quote, but there's one that I enjoyed that kind of said that uh, good design isn't simplifying something; it's streamlining or taking something down to the absolute minimal amount that you need to achieve the same goal. But it's like different. It's not. Like it's, it's the difference between simplifying something and making something simple. Uh, and I, I don't know, I'm, I'm absolutely butchering this quote, but <laughs> the idea is there, right? Is that, is that yeah. a lot of this, this stuff that we're talking about, uh, the lighting, everything is really um, taking something down to the absolute um, core of what you need to communicate what you're doing, but it makes it a lot more uh, intentional. And it means that there's not a lot of fluff or superfluous things that are not, um, in, ser in service to the design elements that you want to work. Yeah. So yeah. I'd like to also talk about, um, since we're talking about the battle system now, is that um, the the way you switch between characters is also interesting. Uh, so well, so I liked this, this idea, and I, I hadn't ever seen it in an action system this way, is <clears throat> you, you can see that the spirit of the, uh, the turn-based system is still there, because you'll have stuff like, especially when you're fighting that boss, where if if Cloud gets grabbed, it immediately switches you to Barrett, so yeah. that you can then help him. Um, and it, and you can like, so you might think that you're going to play Cloud the whole time because he's the main character, but there's a lot of situations where uh, it's more important for you to be Barrett with the farther out angle. And of course, like they do a lot of cool things, like now uh, giving you elements of the 3D space where you have to get around the back of, of the character to hit the shield generator and stuff like that. Um, 
So, and of course, like when you use items, it still kind of slows the the action down a little bit, so that you have a little bit of time to focus. Um, so, I thought that there's almost like the spirit of the turn-based system is still kind of in, inherent oh, in the way that you control. Absolutely. I, um, you know, I actually really enjoyed playing the game in. Uh, I think they call it classic mode, right? The, the easy mode, basically, where uh, <laughs> the characters auto attack, and then when when you're eight active uh when the atb meter fills then you can choose to you know do a stronger attack or use a healing item cast a spell um uh i i feel like that's actually i so it's more than just easy mode um one it, it's sort of like a comforting bridge between the old and new game but two like once you get used to it it's actually teaching you how to play the game like uh, initially you know of course i played it the way you're supposed to in the new mode, real time, uh, you know, like uh, it feels like an action game. Um, but uh, I, I, I'm a bit rusty with games. I, I don't play games nearly as much as I used to. And um, there were some points where I just kind of got overwhelmed, like with the uh, the battle with the uh, the the scorpion sentinel, uh, which is you know the only difficult battle um, in in the demo. Mm -hmm. uh, so I tried playing the game again with the uh, classic mode and. Yeah, I feel like it does a good job of um, pretty much after a while, I was like, oh, okay, I get it, I get it. Like, uh, you know, I, it's so obvious, but like, you know, Barrett takes out the long distance enemies, you know, uh, Cloud gets up close. Um, you should block, <laughs> block, like, while you can, like, only switch to the, um, what was it, the, uh, the, the, the enforcer mode or whatever, the, the really aggressive mode. Oh, no, like, it's, it's called... Um... It's not called enforcer. Punisher mode. Punisher. Punisher. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should switch to that when, not by default. You should switch to that when you know you don't need to block. Yeah, just simple stuff like that. But I, I just kind of took it for granted. Sometimes I just go into button mashing mode. Uh, so playing the game on the classic mode, um, kind of freed, freed my mind up enough to think strategically about uh, what to do. I, I will say that one of the things that uh, Andy has said in the past about how like you, you know. You want Cloud to feel like, you know, to, to feel like someone that has this giant sword that he can just take out normal enemies uh, with one hit. And if you, the little like robot things that you kind of come across as you're running through the thing to get to the boss, if you mm -hmm. have it in Punisher mode, you can take them out like in one swing and it does feel pretty, pretty powerful. Yeah, that's so satisfying because they're so annoying and he rarely gets close enough to be able to do that. Yeah. Well, and I, I noticed that I, I think the mechanic that they have the that they added of the staggering is also meant to make you feel like that because when you're fighting uh, the robot platform things later on when you're escaping the ones that are not quite hard but they're there's you know they're not quite little robots um, if you uh, juggle between um, Cloud's powerful attacks and Barrett's like uh, I don't think it's called overheat but his uh, his like super like uh, like heavy gun attack and stuff. You can actually keep that robot completely staggered, and it feels helpless to your your yeah. onslaught. So like there is a, a way for you to play it properly where the characters feel pretty powerful, but not like overpowered. Yeah, yeah. I think um, actually I I like the updated gameplay. It's uh it, it puts you in the moment, right? It's 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 it lets you play these crazy like anime battles you know y you you make pretty meaningful decisions like they make sense like yeah. um well, when i was going to mention also this is where the the audio 
comes in to me. Like, for instance, what one thing they added outside of just, you know, Barrett humming the theme is I noticed that they use the audio cues. Like, if you're running around in battle and you're low on health, Cloud will be like, I need to use a potion. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Because, like, and I think it's not it's not just because they have audio. I think it's because they know you're going to get way more caught up in the action. Like, you don't have time to sit there and think because it's not turn-based. Yeah, I um I liked the the banter was useful, you know, when when they're like, oh, okay, like hide behind this debris, like uh, this thing's, it's a machine, it'll be weak to, uh, you know, uh, weak to thunder attacks, uh, lightning attacks. It feels very natural, or it was uh, organic. It feels organic to the situation. Yeah, yeah, it does, it does. But I, I did obviously like there's none of that voice acting original, so I did notice it, but um. Yeah. I had a few times where I, in fact, had uh, had forgotten that I needed a potion. <laughs> um, yeah, that did happen to me, too, because there's so much going on. Um, you know, I, I like the uh, staggering system, too. Um, I, I It makes a lot of sense. Like, in, in a lot of older RPGs, there's really no reason not to just keep spamming your most powerful attack. Um, and, and this, not only does it break up the uh, the rhythm you know, stops it from being too monotonous, but um, it, it it feels right, right? It it, it feels more, you know, like you're you're really in a fight with this thing, you know, and and yeah, things are gonna be defensive, right? Like in in yeah, like in in let's say you do like some sort of competitive martial art, like pe- people are very defensive, and then you get that de- decisive hit in, right? If you watch like professional fights, and so it, it has more of that kind of rhythm to it, I think. Yeah, like I said, once you get once you get your your kind of hand on the system, you can really do it intentionally uh, to get yourself into a situation where you're much more dominant with uh, certain enemies. So yeah, I, I thought it was a. I, I wasn't sure about it at first. I kind of agree with you. Like anything where they're like, oh, they're adding this new mechanic that I have to keep track of. Um, but I thought it, I thought it worked pretty well. Um, that that's originally from Final Fantasy 13, right? The 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 staggering, like uh, you know. Kind of wearing down the enemy's defenses, and then it's, it's sort it's of the equivalent of making it dizzy in Street Fighter. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely been in Final Fantasy games before. I don't remember exactly when they introduced it though. Yeah, I, I'm pretty I, sure I, it's in four. I'm pretty sure it's in fourteen as well. Yeah, thirteen was the the one where I remember it um, the most, or the first time I remember it being in a Final Fantasy. Yeah, but uh, it's good to see all these systems coming together. Uh, I don't know that that pretty much was all the uh, the things that I had to say about. I mean, the the demo is actually a pretty long demo uh, for like uh, you play pretty much the, the entire reactor scene. Um, so that's those are the most of the things that I that really stood out to me. But I I really much enjoyed it. I'm definitely going to be playing it when it comes out. Yeah, same here, same here. Yeah, yeah. The um the demo is what like about maybe thirty minutes to an hour, depending on how you play. And uh, yeah, about the original game that that whole sequence goes by much faster. I think I think it's more like twenty minutes, maybe. Uh, well, yeah, because I, I think it's it's meant to be a cold opening. Like I don't think you yeah. actually see the Final Fantasy VII logo until it pulls out uh, after the reactor explodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so everything's a lot more um, decompressed uh, in 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 this game. Yeah. Well, it's because like they're they they did add a lot of stuff. Um, like like actually traversing the reactor takes longer because there's more 
uh, there's more space. And I think they did it to communicate the scale of the reactor. Um, so there's definitely a lot more like running on things. And uh, the so the environment's not one to one. They definitely um, added a lot to the catwalks and the way the ladders work and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the original had camera cuts, you know, you'd, you'd run from one scene to another. So um, it's still like a bit abstracted. It, it, it felt bigger uh, be, because of the nature of that, the, the you know, cutting to the next image. Uh, whereas this one, like, it, it's much more literal. Like, it, it's all sculpted. You, you, you got to control your character through that space. Well, and they also uh, do some small detail stuff that I liked. Like, for instance, there's one part where you get separated and uh, Barrett tells you to, like, meet him. And it, as you're, like, running through the environment, if you're looking around enough, you can actually see, like, they don't just have him appear where you're supposed to meet him. You can actually see Barrett, like, running, climbing up the ladder as well. Oh, like, yeah, he's huffing it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I was like, wow, they didn't need to do that. They could have just had him appear where you needed to meet him. But uh, you can actually see him also going the way that he's going because you get separated. Something, I think, blows up or, or whatnot. I don't remember. Yeah, but I know it's you and Jesse and him, and I just remembered like I was climbing something and I was like, oh, I can see Barrett doing the thing too, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it's after you beat the scorpion. I forget why you get separated for a little bit, but um, uh, yeah, yeah, I think you, it's like you're the... climbing the ladder and you see him going up too. Yeah, yeah, I think it's because like you know the the place is blowing up and uh, something like a catwalk blows up or a, a ladder, you know, something falls in front of you conveniently, that kind of thing. Yeah. Because the, um, I also remember this this kind of interesting detail. I'm not sure what to think of it, but they kind of give you a choice as to how long the bomb takes. Because in the in the original game, I think you just get ten minutes. I don't think. Uh, yeah, I don't think choice. there's a choice. And in this case, it was a choice between twenty and thirty minutes, which uh, yeah. is interesting. Yeah. I guess to be fair, they they have a lot more planned encounters. Like on your way out, you're fighting shock troopers. You're fighting robots like they're not random encounters i noticed that as right. well it just kind of blends into the battle system like there isn't like a you know a cut and then you're in a battle you just kind of see an enemy and then you're fighting yeah that's so, pretty seamless it's possible that the, 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 the fights actually take i don't know if they take longer but they know a lot more about how long those fights take and they're there's at least three or four fights that you're pretty much required to get into in order to get out of the reactor so maybe that's why the to your point the, the amount of time is actually longer I wonder how they're going to handle that in the full game, because, um, like you said, like everything feels pretty curated in this one, uh, you know, which also makes sense. You're storming a facility with a set number of people in it. Um, I, I wonder how it'll feel once you, you're in the full world. Is it, is it going to feel like an MMO? Is it uh, going to feel like enemies respawning? Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they handle that. That is something that I'm pretty interested in because um, what it reminds me of is, uh, I don't know, pretty often uh, at, at Blizzard when uh, I'll show friends like an Overwatch cinematic that's like, you know, five, five, ten minutes long, someone mm. almost, almost inadvertently says, man, Blizzard should just make movies. And I always have to stop and be like, making something that looks really good and cohesive that's ten minutes long and is of this quality is pretty different than something that's three hours long or two yeah. hours long and i th this this kind of same idea came to me which is like wow this is a really self-contained and nostalgic well understood a uh, part of the game like everyone remembers this scene uh, yeah. to your point it's got a small amount of characters it's got generally a pretty linear path so i it doesn't make me doubt at all that the game is going to be great but there is a difference between doing a really carefully curated 
um, much smaller, shorter section of something than there is doing, like, keeping that level of quality and attention up throughout, you know, uh, what I, I don't know how long Final Fantasy VII is, but it comes from an era when games were not short. We're talking 30, 40-hour games. Oh, yeah, people were angry if games weren't, like, 50 hours. And then games promised to be, like, 80 hours, and then um, pretty much only Xenogears delivered on 80 hours of story, <laughs> like, actual story for 80 hours. But, uh, yeah, yeah. To um, so me, what's funny about Xenogears is that uh, had they uh, not been under the deadline, they were it probably would have been even longer because, like, as you get near the end, they just kind of start rushing through the story. So I was like, yeah. wow, they had a lot of content here. This this game could have been even longer. <laughs> that game could have been well over 100 hours. <laughs> like, it would have been the longest RPG ever made at the time, I think. Um, oh, man, yeah, 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 we should definitely do a, a full full podcast on that in the future. Uh, speaking of Xenogears, uh, I have recently uh, returned to Xenogears to play through it again in uh, while I am at home all the time. Just like I, right. yeah, I've been, I've, I've been like, man, I need to, I need to uh, play something that will distract me. Um, and I was like, you know, I should go, you know, go back and play, play Xenogears. So I had to, you know, oh, spend like, yeah. spend like two days figuring out how to play it because um, I got rid of my PS Vita, so I don't have that anymore to get old PlayStation games. Ah, uh, yeah, Vita, very underrated system. Uh, and I also started listening to another podcast called Retrograde Amnesia, where they just go through literally everything that happens in Xenogears in order. Uh, I don't even—I don't think they're done yet. I think it's still going on. So I, I'd recommend people check that out. Retrograde uh, Amnesia. Yeah. But but uh, again, they they it immediately was like, oh man, I need to play this game. So then I was like, you know what? I got time. I'm going to play this game along with the podcast. So I've been doing that. Oh, nice. Wow. That game's so epic, you can devote a multi-part podcast series just to recounting the story, huh? Uh, I mean, I guess to be fair, you could do that with most games, but yeah, there's so much going on, and there's so many layers to stuff, so... Uh, in yeah. fact, uh, a fun fact about this, one of the reasons why I also brought it up is that I think originally Xenogears was supposed to be Final Fantasy VII. Uh, it was, yeah. I think okay. they were uh, told that it, it, the story got a bit too dark, uh, to be a mainline Final Fantasy game. So I, I think that was one of the reasons why um, it, it shifted into its own project. I mean, I feel like uh, uh, the creator always had kind of a vision for it, but there's a lot of things about it that if you look at it, you can kind of tell that there was some intention behind it being a Final Fantasy game. Yeah? Like, and, uh, what, what stands out to you? Um, well, they, they have a couple of things that they really they really shifted around where... Uh, this, these are just these are just like completely uh, unbacked up theories by me. But like for instance, I think uh, Satan was supposed to be like Sid and uh, mm. like this kind of like quiet doctor character that's always there to help you. Like it's the uh, Sids have have uh, fit that kind of thing. They have a um, <clears throat> I forget their names off the top of my head, but they also have like a bumbling uh, trio. Uh, not trio. Um, maybe it is a trio. I don't remember. They have like a, a bumbling kind of set of characters that are very like Biggs and Wedge like, uh, that are that kind of recur in the story as well. Um, oh, the the dude that like kind of sees himself as your rival, that guy or? Uh, no, I'm trying to remember what it is because and, and then you also have the the really like larger than life characters like Big Joe that just kind of show up in bars and stuff like that. Yeah, I was um, thinking of Big Joe. Yeah, I'm trying to remember who they are, but there there is like a, a set of. Uh, characters that you kind of come across that are like I said, they 
I think they're a duo or a trio. Yeah, okay. Um, the oh yeah, that's what it was. Um, later in the game, you come across uh, the the elements. They they always kind of I don't know if they see themselves as your rival, but they're kind of this goofy cast of characters. They actually remind me a lot of Dragon Ball Z. Um, mm. But they they have kind of a lot of similar elements to to recurring themes that you see in a lot of Final Fantasy games. Um, uh, you know, things like an airship uh, <laughs> is in the game uh, and stuff like that. So um, I probably need to spend more time in terms of uh, exactly what makes it look like you can kind of see the the elements of Final Fantasy. But even even like uh, Faye as a main character uh, is kind of like that, that loner type that has a, a mysterious history and he has a lot of, you know, PTSD he's working through and uh, a lot of... Um, a lot of things going on in his life. Uh, you know, he kind of starts off, he's, you know, he's uh, magically good at martial arts. Uh, you know, he's lost a lot of his memories. Like, these are all things that seem, like, pretty pretty well at home in a Final Fantasy game. Yeah, yeah. That was, yeah I don't want to dive into it too much, but square. I thought it was interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly, Classic Square. Let's see. Um, <clears throat> I, I actually got to uh, wrap stuff up before too long. Uh, I got to gotta get to bed soon, just because... Um, during these times, it's very important to get sleep if you can, stay healthy. But um, sure. I would really like to pick this up soon. Uh, let's so for for the next podcast, uh, let's let's talk about the the comfort games, the you know games that we've uh, we've been uh, playing, cozying up to during this this time of uh, crisis. So next time. Yeah, sounds good. All right, let's do it. Okay. Uh, yeah. Thanks. Thanks, John. Thanks for uh, always uh, organizing these podcasts and and doing all sure. the the hard work of getting them uploaded and um, getting them out to our listeners. Uh, yeah, everyone, please, you know, send Sean some nice messages for for making this happen. Um, and I hope everyone listening is. Um, I hope you're as safe as you can be. You know, I hope you and your loved ones can. Uh, just. Be be as safe as you can. Um, you know these are pretty crazy times. Just uh, wishing well for you all, and you know we'll 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 be around. We'll we'll keep putting out these podcasts. Uh, you know we'll keep writing articles. Um, you know hopefully we'll give you some stuff to to keep you busy over the next couple of months. Um, yeah. So thank thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to the ninth podcast. And uh, uh, stay stay tuned. Look forward to uh, number ten where we're going to talk about uh, comfort games. The games that uh, we, you know, that that are just like comfort food, gaming comfort food, the stuff that you can just always go back to. Oh, um, and also, you remind me, friend, check out the new uh, ArtEater.com. That is really really nice. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes, I forgot to mention that. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, the the old blog is is back up. Um, thanks thanks to the efforts of uh, uh, my friend Thomas, who um, uh, just totally. Uh, all on his own volition, just, you know, offered to uh, help us uh, rebuild the site, get it back online, did it all on his free time. He, he's a very good professional programmer, um, did it, you know, uh, just didn't didn't even ask for any payment or anything. He just said, hey, man, I, I like reading these articles. I, I just want to be able to read them again. Um, so, yeah, uh, thank you. Thank you, Thomas, for um getting the site back up and yeah everyone if you're listening please check out arteater.com that's a r t dash e a t e r uh, dot com uh, that's the blog that uh, 
that Sean and I started all these years ago. Sean built the original uh, website on, on WordPress years years and years ago, back in 2011. And um, yeah, that's that's what got all, all this stuff, all this game commentating. Uh, even my Twitter account probably wouldn't exist without that. Uh, that's that's what got it all rolling. Uh, yeah, we, we've been um, slowly getting the old articles back online. So um, yeah, please, please check them out. Yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you for uh, reading. And um, yeah, thanks. Thanks for being there. See ya. Be safe. Be safe.